DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, I don't know if you're aware, but Shaquille O'Neal stirred up the state of Utah. Certainly a gazillion jazz fans living in the state of Utah. Talking about Donovan Mitchell, is he a superstar? Is he good enough to uh, get it done in the playoffs? Can he do something other than scoring to help his team win? Now, this leads to a thousand conversations. And I think there were some assumptions built into what he said that actually are pretty, uh, pretty positive about the Jazz, but people don't really hear that. And it came when, you know, it's post game interview and expect some softball question that's nice, that leads to a nice, easy answer and feel good about the win. And instead, it was, you're not good enough. So, of course, it went over really poorly. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't know where you want to jump in on this, on, on what this means for the Jazz and, and how people hear it and how it impacts the team, but anywhere you want to jump in, because I literally think I, we could not ask you another question. You could talk about this for 20 minutes and finish this segment. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know what? I, I was not aware of a lot of that. And, uh, but here, here's the thing for me with, with Donovan Mitchell is that he, he is an elite player. And, uh, you know, we live in a world that is so transparent and that there's a microphone in front of everyone on any given moment on any different topic. <laughs> and, uh, it, and, and so these types of things uh, tend to happen more often than not. And uh, the, the world that, uh, that NBA players and the NFL and, you know, all of professional sports uh, with social media as it is and everything, everything gets blown out of proportion. For me, personally, just in terms of me watching Donovan Mitchell, uh, he, he and the Utah Jazz are playing the best basketball they've played in a long, long time. Um, I, I think there's some, not, not to deflect from Donovan, because I think that great players make other good players around them. And, and I think that his, the commitment from him, from the organization, from the coaching staff and everything tells us that this is a team that is, uh, is better than they've been in a long, long time. Now, mind you, I, I understand there are no fans in arenas. There are, uh, the pandemic has been crazy and, uh, half the teams that are underachieving is, has more to do with uh, the, the pandemic and protocol for COVID. It has nothing to do with basketball. But all of that being said, the Jazz have kind of weathered this well. Donovan Mitchell has been the leader of this team. And, and I think sometimes, and I still consider himself a young player in the league, but I think that uh, – Anybody that is taking this young man for granted or he himself is thinking that they're not where they need to be is wrong. Because I, I, I just, for me personally, as I watch them play, and I don't get to see all the games that, that, that you see up there, but just in watching what I've watched, uh, man, I, I think this is the best they've been in the last four or five years. And, again, you can tell me, okay, the competition hasn't been what it's been or whatever it might be, but I just feel like with Connolly's development, and all of a sudden, he has a presence, and I mean, he's the most improved player, and I think he's he's better because Donovan Mitchell is there, and because Donovan Mitchell attracts a lot of attention, he's going to get open shots. They got the best six man in the in the conference, and Jordan Clarkson uh, got elite coaching. You know, I mean, 
you can go on and on. But I think this is a time to enjoy the Jazz, to understand. I mean, listen, this is a really good league, and we watch every night where teams that you don't think can win games win or winning games because here's the thing. People underestimate the players in the NBA. Some two people are hurt. How could they, you know, how could the Jazz beat this team when somebody wasn't playing or somebody else wasn't playing? Because there's a lot of really good players in this league. And and I think that given an opportunity, which many of them are being given because of the COVID protocol, we're seeing upsets. We're see, we're shaking our heads and saying, well, how does that happen? How does that team get beat? And, and it's because the players are really good. So uh, I don't know a lot about this whole thing with Donovan Mitchell, but I can just tell you this, that it's the best I've seen this team play. They've got a chance this week to probably uh, win three or four more games. I mean, probably at least three more games. Uh, they could very well be in first place. Uh, they're close right now. So I don't know that anybody was thinking the Jazz would be in first place or second place after 20 games. I mean, we felt like they are a team that is a second-tier team. They're proving that they can be uh, an upper, high-level team that has an opportunity to, to play well against everybody. And, and I think the other thing, too, I didn't mention is that defensively, I think they're better this year than they've been, and, and not because of Rudy Gobert, but because everybody else is buying into it, so um, I don't I don't know what all the all the commotion is about it. But I really like this team, and everything statistically lends itself to guys that you know. I I, I know people were on Connolly bad last year, and uh, but he's playing with confidence. Clarkson's playing with confidence, and uh, I don't know. It's it, it's a team that uh, I don't think you can sleep on. That's for sure. So. How much do you think right now, because they've won seven, eight in a row, is a hot streak, or actually it's not as much of a hot streak as it is closer to who they really are? Yes. I, I, you know, I, I like that thought. I like that thought. And, and, and maybe you know, this community and uh, you know, analysts and everybody else uh, you know maybe this team has always believed that this is who they could be I don't know I'm not around them every day and I don't get those kind of insights but it is I think it is closer to what everybody I mean you start thinking about the the parity in this team where six or seven or eight guys play well every night there's you, you see I mean there's an occasion I mean this is a tough league you go on the road but I think at the end of the day they kind of you kind of know what you're going to get every night. They're going to give you a great effort, and uh, what happens is there's maturity taking place right now. We watch these guys kind of grow up. Now, obviously, Conley's an experienced guy, been around. Clarks has been around, but as as we watch this team, it's a nice blend of youth, uh, superstars, as well as uh, just a great coaching staff. So. Uh, there is absolutely no reason. Why would you think any differently as a coaching staff or players? That has to be their mindset. You can't become someone that's really elite unless you believe that is who you are and, and, and back it up with a great work ethic and back it up with, uh, you know, just playing hard every night and competing. And it's not hard to play. It's hard to play hard every night when you're playing, you know, a game and you're playing three games or like this week. They're playing, I think they're playing four games. Uh, they're playing the Knicks, the Mavs twice, and they're at the Nuggets. Four games, I, I don't think the normal fan understands what that takes out of you. And so it requires depth. It requires guys having a sense of maturity and a sense of urgency. And uh, we, we watch really good teams just kind of go through it and have bad losses. 
the Jazz haven't had that this year. I mean, well, you, you know, they did lose to the Knicks on the road, and, and you, we thought, oh, my, what's happening? But at the end of the day, they, they've proven that. To me, it proves that I don't care if it's the New York Knicks. If you don't come to play, they can beat you because they have pros, and they have guys that can make baskets. It's just the fact they haven't been given an opportunity. So when all of a sudden superstars go down or the leading scorers go down and people think, well, they, they're going to lose, hmm, maybe not. Maybe somebody else is going to come off the bench play inspired, and there's a reason that guy got drafted. That's a reason that he, you know, he's there. So we underestimate. I think fans underestimate how good teams really are, and consequently, we, teams don't get near the credit they should when they went on the road or they get behind. And you know, the Jazz have they haven't been that much behind in a lot of games. I mean, they've had they've controlled games with. Uh, having eight and ten and twelve and fifteen point leads, and that's a sign of a good team as well. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the zone. The uh, are the Cougars going to be tested? Because I just have this feeling that they are going to be uh, on a big win streak when they play Gonzaga at the end of the year, and and maybe they drop a road game somewhere, and maybe playing Pepperdine twice in five days. It's kind of a it's kind of a trap that Pepperdine's good enough, but the way BYU defends, defense goes on the road, and when you're trying to win shootouts on the road, there's a risk. But the way they defend, it seems like the risk is lower. You know, you're, you're spot on with that. that I mean, that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is that I mean they've got great size and strength and and uh, grit there defensively and on rebounding. And uh, I, I think they've found ways that you don't have to score 90 points. And, uh, you know, it, it's a team. I was talking to somebody the other day about this. And, you know, you've got three transfers that are fifth-year seniors who you, there's no – you know, I mean, they, they're bought in. And when you have leadership like that with Marcello Harms, Everett, you know, I mean, these are guys that have been playing. And, and so they come in. Barcello obviously had a role last year, but not like he has this year. But they have depth, and everybody is competing, and they do have them playing at a really high level defensively. So, yes, they can go on the road. They can win with scoring 58 points. Um, and, I, and I think they will be tested in a couple of games. But winning at St. Mary's, winning at USF, mind you again, uh, you know, there's, there's no home court, real significant home court advantage. Uh, but like there would be if there are fans there. But this isn't really a conference that has a lot of fans in the seat anyway unless it's Gonzaga, St. Mary's, or BYU. So, they're, you know, BYU is, has been playing in front of kind of empty arenas anyway. In fact, if anything, it probably hurts BYU because they travel so well and have such a fan base that there's usually, you know, three, four, five hundred fans when they go on the road. But I, I agree with you. I think defensively they're really, really good. And they have a poster. You know, the one thing offensively about them is they just keep coming at you north-south and, you know, with ball screens and with post-ups and backdoor cuts and uh, they wear teams down, and, and they're hard to guard. They got they have they have great size, but they're they playing with a sense of urgency. They have a lot of confidence. Harward is is a guy that people underestimate, and just how big and strong he is. He's turning into a really really good player. And, and they're, you know their wings are they're not great, but they're solid. And they're all six 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 five six seven. And you know we, we know what the like a young man like Caleb Loner. We know what his upside is. He's but he's still a freshman. But but at the, at the end of the day, uh, they have the pieces, and uh, when you go win on the road, I mean, they they've had, I mean Utah State, San Diego State, St. Mary's, USF, all road wins against really well coached teams. So 
Yeah, I, I do believe they can run on the road. And I do believe they can put a streak together because they do defend. And like you said, they, they, they you know, defense travels, man. You, that's that's how you win on the road is your guard and your rebound and stay games close. And they're, they're a pretty high IQ team. They don't really make a lot of mistakes. And, uh, and, and certainly Barcello's a guy that is just an, an elite competitor. And so, yeah, I, I think uh, they're not they're not Gonzaga, okay, <laughs> but uh, they're a really good basketball team. I think they go to the NC2A tournament uh, as long as they stay healthy, and you know the uh, unknown happens. But I, I, I like this team because of the of the things that they do that aren't as flashy this year. You know, last year they had three pretty elite players: Haas, Childs, and Tulson. They shot it well. Uh, this year they're doing it differently, but with with really you know, a sense of purpose defensively and rebounding the ball. So we speak of rebounding. I I think I'm a little disappointed in Harm's ability or inability to rebound, you know, 7-3, so there's going to be high expectations. But I am massively impressed, and I can't state it enough, with Loner's ability to rebound. This kid, for his height, is a rebounding machine. What makes that so? You know, his timing, he's, he's really explosive. You know, you look at him, and, and uh, he's kind of a thick kid, so you wonder how bouncy he is. But now he's really bouncy, and he's really strong, and he's got a lot of girth to him. But he has the agility to, to you know. Yeah, I mean, he, he, his ceiling is, is really high. And, um, you know, you look at guys, young guys, and, you know, he's not scoring maybe like maybe people thought he would. They don't need him to score. They need him to do just what you're talking about. Pat, that they, they need him to rebound. And I think his ability, you know, good, good rebounders, you know, they're, they're going to the ball all the time. They don't stand. They, you know, it's hard to block him out. He's moving. You know, he's doing everything he can. And I think right now he's accepted that role. They, they don't, you know, it would be great if he was knocking threes down and everything. But he's a pretty mature young man that understands that for them to win, you know, if he has six, seven, eight rebounds a game, he can, and he's getting better defensively, but he's got a girth and an athleticism about him that's really bouncy. And he just has a knack for it. I mean, and not everybody has that. And, and Howard, you know, being a big guy as well. And I think the other thing, when you have a 7'4", seven, 7'5", seven, however tall Harvard is, and you've got, uh, you know, a 6'11", 7-foot Harvard, you know, guys spend a lot of attention trying to, you know, keep those guys off the boards. Loner has the freedom to just go crash it and go. And so, because there is, the other bigs uh, bring a lot of attention and take up a lot of space, whereas Caleb, Caleb has a, he just got an explosiveness to him. His lift is, is quick and explosive, and you can see it at times even offensively, but he's just, right now, he, he's too quick offensively. He needs to slow down, and then he, you know, by the end of this year, he, he could be a guy that could count on for 10, 12, 13 points a game as well as he gets more confident, but... Uh, I agree. I agree. I mean, he, he and Harvard are, are both guys who are just aggressive. That's the, the mindset of this team is they really have aggressive uh, and they're able to sustain it. You know, they, 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 they play hard and they, they still, you know, they make mistakes. They're not necessarily pretty to watch offensively, but who cares? I mean, at, at times they struggle offensively, but they make it up at the other end. And, uh, you know, and I think that, you know, they're not 34% three, Point shooting, it's good enough. It's good enough, and you know I think they're close to forty rebounds a game. So, yeah, I love Caleb Loner, and I I, I think we're all going to really, a couple years from now, realize how good he really is, and 
and uh, what his ceiling is. So in the gazillion years since I played high school basketball at a freakishly mediocre level, Steve, nothing has changed. Even the three-point shot, I don't think it's been as surprising a change as rebounding. You watch an NBA game now, and only one guy is allowed to go get an offensive rebound. The other four have to get back. And the way they get back just tells you, Watching multiple coaches on multiple teams have threatened guys. If you don't get back, you're coming out of the game. Because they get back with a purpose. They are not getting beat on the break. And they will concede the offensive rebound. Now, in college, there's still a little bit of a battle for rebounding. So a guy like Loner can really show his stuff. But there's, there's a lot of uncontested rebounds in NBA games. Have you adapted to that? Or does that still, I don't know, bug you when you watch a game once in a while? You know what it, it is. I mean, I'm, I watch NBA games, and I watch quite a bit of the NBA, and uh, it's hard enough to guard these guys. Uh, you know, when it's one on one, and you got a hand in their face, <laughs> and uh, but you, you have no chance of guarding them when there's a three on two or a three on one break, and you're not going to stop them. And I remember as a, as a college coach, you know, when we played really elite teams that could push the ball and score. You know, we'd send four back all the time. I mean, it was like, you know, we're going to go four back. We cannot give this team transition baskets because once they start getting those, you know what that does? It impacts their confidence. And so all of a sudden, I mean, I remember as a player, you know, in, in a game, I wanted to get to the free throw line early. I wanted to get a layup early. All of a sudden, that basket seemed like it was four feet wide when I did that. When my first, you know, three or four shots were threes and uh, or long twos, it was one of them because I wasn't playing with them during the threes. But even in college, it was one of those things that I, I scored better. And so coaches know this. They know that you don't want to let a team get their confidence by not getting back. And so I, I remember when we felt like this was a big part of what they were doing. And let's face it, most NBA teams, every team, they, they don't have to have superstars. I mean, at every level, every team has people that can push it, finish around the rim. And when there's two-on-ones and three-on-ones, you got no chance. College, once in a while, high school, you know, you, you can get away with that, but not at this level. And so and what you don't want to do is give teams confidence early in the game. If anything, early on, we, we would might start four back have, and, and just take everything away and make them earn it in the half court. And then as the game went on and, uh, you know, things were – we had things under control, we'd maybe just three back and send two to the class. But uh, – no, you notice that a lot, and there's a reason. I mean, it's you just can't afford to get teams get into a confident role. And I mean, we're watching. You know, I was watching the uh, the Cleveland. I watched that Cleveland Brooklyn game, and I don't know what time of the day it was or what it was. And I and I sat there and watched Cleveland, who who has really good pros. And Sexton went for about forty that night, forty some that night. But I'm thinking to myself, here we got these guys. You know, you you've got Brooklyn loaded. How, how, how are these guys playing with them? How do they beat them twice in a week? Because they have really good players that just a lot of people haven't heard of or the media doesn't spend a lot of attention to. And if you don't guard them and if you don't get back, you're going to get beat by them. And that's the thing I've taken from the NBA more than anything because I did not watch the NBA a lot when I was a college coach. But now it's kind of what I do watch. And I watch – I mean, I'll, I'll watch teams and coaches I know that, you know, that I know in the business – but most of the basketball I watch is the NBA. And I'm not an analytical guy or anything. I mean, I just watch it because I enjoy it. And, uh, and it's fun to see what people are doing at that level and how things change. But, 
yeah, I, the last thing you want to do is, is give teams confidence and coach, you know, every coach knows that. And the best way is to not get back on defense. So I don't think that's going to change. Talents is too good, too strong. And you got to make them shoot over you and through you. And let's face it, the really elite guys do. And they're doing it from 27, 28 feet, hand contested, boom, down. We, we take that for granted, to be honest with you, as fans. We, we take for granted what they're doing with, uh, the, you know, the, the types of shots that are being made with contested hands, you know, from 28, 29 feet. Uh, the, the league has changed in that way. I mean, it's, it, 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 that's why I think it's so entertaining and fun to watch. Steve, we appreciate the time. Good to talk as always, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Take care. Have a great week. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Jason Cole, longtime NFL reporter based in Florida, is coming up to talk football and talk Super Bowl and playoffs at 9 o'clock. Right now we welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, breakthrough treatment. No pill, no injections, no surgery. I don't know anyone who really wants a pill, injections, or surgery, so this would be welcome news. Yes, this is his welcome news. And whenever I say erectile dysfunction, uh, the reaction from guys is, oh, you know, that's somebody in their 90s. Well, we have guys in their 20s, 30s, and 40s every day who are maybe just noticing a slight decline in the bedroom, the occasional failure, or maybe they just want to improve the frequency. Our treatments do incredible with that. They also help guys in their 90s also, you know, coming from a point of zero. Uh, So we've seen it all. If you're experiencing any frustration in the bedroom, the acoustic wave therapy gently opens up blood vessels. What's so cool is that the treatments are non-invasive, not painful. They're about 10 minutes, and you do a few of these over maybe two weeks. That is it. The average guy is done at that point. So unlike the pill, it's not something you have to continue to do. You get results fairly quickly. And we're actually treating the root cause problem of the erectile dysfunction and getting you back to kind of your younger years in the bedroom. You got a special deal for people who call right now, listening this morning. Tell them all about it. Yes. If you're struggling with ED, uh, get ready for Valentine's Day. We've got some specials today. Call us right now. Uh, The assessment, the exam will be free. This is basically an analysis with the medical doctor. No obligation. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound even, and it's all free. We're going to throw in a little gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. You're going to love that. And new patients now even get free testosterone, free blood work. So huge amount of value here. Give us a call now. It's all free. The number is 801-901-8000. Call 801-901-8000. Call Andrew at the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Right now, you can get the deal at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Part of this is Shaq. I said tonight that you are one of my favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. I said it on purpose. I wanted you to hear it. What do you have to say about that? All right. That's it? All right. That's it. If I'm Donovan Mitchell, I'm probably a little ticked off. I just had one of my better games of the season. I played really well. I had a great game. And then all of a sudden, I got to talk to this buffoon, the dismissive, like, all right. I think that was the best approach. I really do. It's like, Shaq, I don't care what you have to say. It means nothing to me. You're sitting behind a desk. Nobody really respects your opinion because you're kind of out of touch with the game. All we want to do, and the only reason anybody's watching that show is because it's about Barkley making fun of you, you making fun of Barkley, and that's about it. 
Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Zero Res. Let's clean 2020 out of our carpets. Schedule a no-residue carpet cleaning with Zero Res this month and get three rooms clean for just $89.95. Search Zero Res Carpet Cleaning to schedule your appointment or call them at 801-288-9376. All right. Question of the day up at Facebook. Getting a, uh, getting a lot of posts here. In the long run... Did Shaq end up doing the Jazz a favor? Rick says it may have lit a fire under Mitchell to play better with the intent to prove Shaq wrong. See, I already thought Mitchell was playing at a really high level. How is he going to get hotter? I can get more efficient. I think that's about it. Or he could do more things because if you carry that out, the Shaq bite got a ton of run. Mm -hmm. Deservedly so. But the... Smith Barkley, the that basically the Jazz cannot win unless they blister the Nets all the time, and then Barkley saying, "Well, Donovan in his two hundred and forty some games or whatever it was, that he's only had one game with ten assists and one game with ten boards. That's not the sign of a great player. So it's like Shaq is taking all this heat, but the other guys basically concurred." Okay, but I think I think America concurs. I mean, honestly, really, jazz, yes. I think wow. Honestly, deep down, I think jazz fan concurs. There are no you jazz do, fans. yeah, because implied in that whole conversation was can Donovan lead the Jazz past the Clippers and the Lakers? That's why they're having a conversation. Can they beat these guys in a playoff series? And I don't know anyone. No one has said to me. No one has said it on Twitter. No one has said it on Facebook. No one has walked up to me and said it, although admittedly there's less of that going on these days, uh, has said, you know, I really think the Jazz are going to take down the Clippers and Lakers and win the title. Yeah, but it's not about this year exclusively for Donovan Mitchell. If he wins the title in 2026-27, who cares what sure, year it is? but that, that team hasn't even been built yet. We have no idea. I mean, yeah, we talked about he, how this team has really it, got one year to get it done. There's question marks about next year. Fine, but you're Donovan Mitchell. Nobody was saying Michael Jordan, ah, well, he couldn't really get it done in 90-91. Uh, that doesn't matter. He got it done in 91-94 and 96-98. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you didn't know what was going to be ahead. If you were that good of a player, you need talent with you. There's no question about that. I'm not by any stretch saying that, that that's not the case. But it's about... As far as Mitchell uh, going, I think there's been outrage by Jazz fans. Not, and I disagree well, they don't like completely. It. They don't like it being said, and they don't like, and I think this is a big part of it, they don't like when and how Shaq said it. It was so dismissive. So, you know, the, the, there's a difference, there is a difference between what I said where, you know, someone's picking a team to win this year, and Shaq, like, this can never, ever happen. That's Period, what he was end saying. Of story. Right. So it's not about this year. He, wasn't, he was implying, at least the way I took it, that it was forever and ever. You won't be good enough. Not you aren't good enough as constituted this year. You won't be good enough. And I don't think deep down jazz fans think that. I don't think that at all. No, don't, don't take people's hope away. They want to say, hey, down the line. It but could you happen. are. It, yeah, and Shaq absolutely did. And you just did too. 
Well, I won't go forever. I'm not contemplating anything. You said deep down they think what Shaq said was true. Because I, well, okay, implied in what I said was they're talking about this team. Because those guys only talked about it because they looked at the standings right now this year. In well, the, the standings. On TV. And right. And, the, and you're right. It was both things. It was the standings and the fact they were in the middle of a jazz game. And those two things are why they talked about it. Yeah, it so to like me, implicit in all of this, it, uh, well, he said it at halftime, and then He'd he said it again after. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, he'd been cracking on Gobert for a good while now. Well, that's true, yes. Uh, so, But, I mean, I get your point. Yeah, uh, It was in the moment, whether it was at half or after the game. It was still in the moment. Uh, and it was like they were trying to dismiss these two guys. They were trying to I, – I, I took it. Now, they just brought on – they happened to bring on Mitchell – uh, maybe be, I mean he had a huge game, but, but maybe he doesn't have an accent. I don't know why they chose Mitchell over Gobert, but I think that Shaq would have basically said the same thing with Gobert. It just I it think was he w- Mitchell. I think, I think he would have. It was Mitchell because yeah. Mitchell went for thirty six in the game, and, and he was on the headset. Yeah, but he's been he's essentially been dismissing them for a while, and he's been making fun of Gobert. And I think the way he made fun of Gobert was way more, uh, how do I say it, inflammatory. Dismissive is a good, yeah. better word. Yeah, dismiss, way more dismissive of Gobert than he is Mitchell because he acknowledged Mitchell's a great player. He yeah. just said, oh, I don't think you're quite good enough, whereas he's been mocking Gobert for a couple of weeks, basically since the contract. When was the contract announced? That's been a, longer so, than that. So he's been going after them. For a good while, but I, I, I think deep down, knowing that they need other pieces, I think that the expectation or anticipation or hope is rising in Jazzland that this team, all right, yeah, it's going to be hard. We get it, but mm-hmm. it's not impossible. I agree with that 100%. And yes. the more they win, the less impossible it becomes because when I asked Steve Cleveland, and that's what this team needs to prove to us, is this a hot streak or is this really who you are? And I think in the short term, I don't think there was any question they motivated them and the, the Warriors were just a hapless bystanders to, to the moment. <laughs> I, man, the Warriors were bad. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think it was about the Warriors. I think it was all about well, the, jazz. the Jazz. Coming off that thing where he just said it, and for two days it was a discussion point. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and it's going to be, and now it's four, and it's going to be longer than that. And they took it out yeah. on the Warriors. They made the Warriors look like crap, and there was nothing Steve Kerr or his buddies could do about it. And it was good if you wanted Pace Mannion's kid to play because he had the, <laughs> I got the, Nico the, in the game. The most extended minutes because it was a blowout. And there was no point in playing Steph Curry and nope. Green anymore. And they left Wiseman in because he's a young pup. So let him play even in blowouts. And he did play. But then the, they cleared the bench and, and Quinn cleared the bench. And, and away they went as more uh, much earlier in the game than they would have. So the bright side is Pace got to see his kid play. He needs to get in the G League and get on the floor, and the G League needs, needs to get going for that kid to develop, and we'll see where you're at in a year or two or three, whatever it might be, because he's still a teenager himself, so uh, his future is not now. It's in the future, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so, as far as that goes, I think they, I think that motivated them big time, and they just took it out on a team that they're better than, and they took it out with extreme vengeance. So in the short term, there's no question it motivated them. It's just a question of will this motivate them in the long term. And I think that's that's what the Jazz, the question they have to answer right now is, 
is this a hot streak or is this who you are? Now, you're not going to who you are is every game, but far more often. You know what? We, we're not saying you're Greg Ostertag where every three weeks you have a good game and then Gordon goes in the locker room and asks him, uh, is this who you are or just a good guy? Ah, yeah, I don't know, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like that might probably only happen once or twice, but in my mind it happened 30 times. Uh, and I, I seem to be standing next to Gordon when Ostertag, ah, I don't know, Gordon. <laughs> He's just, <laughs> he could never okay. get it going. All right, let's move on from that. I'm having flashbacks now. Right. I but do is this, think is you this brought team up something. who they are? Is this who they are? That, uh, that's a good question, but before we get to it, you brought up something here, and I think it's, uh, you're going to like this because it just means you were right. <laughs> Paul, please tell us. <laughs> right? The floor so, is yours. When you say <laughs> that... Um, Barkley goes back and looks at the stats. You know, how many games do you have with this many rebounds? How many games do you have with this assist? This is where, as useful as the numbers are, they can completely fool you. They can completely lead you astray. You know, in Barkley's era, when Barkley's battling Stockton Malone, whether he's in Phoenix in the early 90s or he's in Houston in the late 90s, you know, those numbers could really tell the story of a game. But when the coach is telling you, and we just went through this with Steve Cleveland, when the coach is saying, four of you have to get back, you have to get back, we are not going to get beat in transition. It is critical. We've been through all the tape and all the numbers. If we get beat in transition, we lose the game. We don't get that many offensive rebounds by sending you guys to the boards, but we give up a lot of fast break points, so we're not doing it. Okay, so now how many rebounds a guy like Donovan Mitchell has? It comes down to how often does the ball, A, bounce straight to you, or B, how often does uh, a three come off the rim hard and there's three guys chasing for a ball that's bounced on the floor once and is beyond the free throw line and might be out to the three-point line. There aren't that many rebounds to be had. And in an era where Quinn Snyder says, hey, we want to throw the 50-foot pass down the sideline and take the three if it's there. Well, you're not going to have the stats. Stockton himself wouldn't have the stats if that was the way you played. So there was a time when how many assists and how many rebounds you had really mattered. And there will still be games now where that might matter somewhat. If you're Rudy Gobert because you're the one guy who was told to go get the ball, your rebound stats matter. But I don't know that everybody else's rebound stats matter that much. Okay. So don't don't buy into all this and don't get led astray by the numbers because 25, 5, and 5 might be enough to do it. And back in the day, maybe, maybe it wasn't. And the Lakers still play more old school than most NBA teams. And the stats bear out certainly that the Lakers are more into the paint and more into the, the two-point buckets than the Jazz and the Clippers. Yes. So even the numbers for LeBron and AD – may look more old school, and Barkley's point may be more valid than it is in reverence to the Jazz, and, and to a degree, even the Clippers. Yeah, I, I can see that. I think that you have to go to each individual's frame of reference. And those guys played the entire duration of their careers, and there's three guys who played in the NBA for a long time there, and you didn't win the way the Jazz are winning. That wasn't the way the game was yeah. played. You know, the game was played where Stockton brought the ball up and looked over to Coach Sloan and ran a play, and away they went. Well, that might as well have been 100 years ago mm-hmm. now. 
because that that's not even close to the way the game is played. I happen to believe the stars of those years would be just fine today. Stars are stars across the board. They adapt. They would adjust, yep. and so they would be fine. But nevertheless, those three guys, they a they don't see the Jazz a lot that very much because they're focusing on the games at hand, and it's just not the Jazz. The league isn't. I, I think the NBA, the real NBA guy, gal knows the Jazz and knows who they are and considers them a legitimate contender. Uh, Steve Kerr said they can compete, and I just look at a power ranking this morning, and they're third in the league. So the folks who are into the league, not into the moment of who they're broadcasting right now, uh, and they didn't play, so they don't go back to a time that was their time. If you're a, a national dude right now, you're, you're following the NBA, and the NBA is what it is right now. It's not what it was 15 years ago. So you can accept the way the Jazz are winning and know that it's legit, whereas these TNT guys, I think they're having a hard time because that's not the way they played. The ball was thrown into Barkley, and he pounded it into the to the hardwood and, and found a matchup either on the wing or was able to beat his guy. Nobody does that anymore, and so they're having a hard time accepting it. So I get why they would be reluctant to praise the Jazz. I understand that. But I want you to know, Donovan Mitchell's parents did a great job raising him. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to pull my hair out. All right, when we come back, what Shaq said, how he could have said it different, and how that would line up with what I think most Jazz fans think and admit, and we'll get to that next. Stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Harry Scott will no longer be commissioner after June 30th. There'd be three people I'd interview for this job. Any one of Bob Chapek's kids. Who's Bob Chapek? The current CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Oh. He's got three children. One of them's got to be qualified enough to sit in a chair and say, Hey, Dad, could you give us a sweet deal on our next TV contract? That's good thinking. What do you think? That's progressive what you, isn't there, that brilliant? If his kid is in eighth grade, that's okay. I don't care. There's a reason the other conferences have partnered with television companies to run their networks. Athletic conference commissioners have no business running television networks. None. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. First down, 10 bucks moving right hand off. Says a little stutter step by Fournette. Fights through a tackle. Gets a block on the right side. And another block. He's inside the 10 to the 5. 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Touchdown, Buccaneers. Fournette refused to go down. Leonard Fournette, great touchdown run. Tampa Bay beats Green Bay. They're going to the Super Bowl. That's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450, and you can win fabulous prizes on the big show. PK, I just visualized it somewhere. Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders were applauding that touchdown run. That was everything you want out of a back. They ran him into the middle of the line. He took a hit. He stayed on his feet. He stepped away from some defenders, stepped over people, outran a guy to the edge, ran around the corner around him, saw another guy coming, did a 360 and spun inside that guy and made him miss. Two unblocked guys missing. And then he gets crushed at the goal line, but he holds onto the ball and gets to the pylon. Excellent. Power and speed. Balance. Had it all. Okay, you realize Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith are still alive, right? Yeah, but I don't know where they were. But well, somewhere. you said somewhere. Oh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like in the great beyond. Nervous. 
I don't know. I don't know if they're sitting at their house. They're at home. I don't know if they're at the beach watching on a phone. No, no, no. They're (laughs) sitting at home watching the game. Well, they approved of that run because that was an excellent touchdown run. Somewhere in the great beyond, (laughs) Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders. We're both very much alive. Although I didn't really see them as power backs. Well, it reminded me more of Sanders. I would have gone, gone Larry Zonka. <laughs> Larry Zonka didn't have the speed to do that. He yeah, still would he have didn't approved. He that much speed. Oh, be, I thought I he was inside and he runs outside and runs around a tackler? Yeah, I thought uh, that took speed. Well, I don't think it took that much speed because I don't think Leonard Fournette is a burner. I think it was more of a power move. And one of the things that I don't understand, I think they have to stop – with these guys reaching for the goal line mm-hmm. because the ball gets knocked yep. out. Yep. Don't do that. Unless unless it's fourth down and fourth and goal. I don't know which expatriate I saw say this, but an expatriate said, I've been in the room and Bill Belichick, what you just said, Bill Belichick has told all of his skill position players, you only reach on fourth down. We've come too far to turn the ball over. We'll get the next yard on the next play. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Belichick, apparently, the, whoever the expatriate was, hammered that point. That Belichick hammers that point. He doesn't want to see it. He doesn't want to put up with it. And don't do it. Well, it's probably Unless Donald it's Trump. Down. He's an expatriate, isn't he? <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so the debate, and when you get into these debates, there's always this little wiggle room of how you phrase it. And you're very good at this. Other people do it, too. And, and some people just do it accidentally. Other people do it on, on purpose and do it. And you do it really well. But when you change the debate from you can't do it to you are a contender, I mean, the Jazz are absolutely a contender. And if you can't wrap your mind around it, well, then watch the next game, look at the standings, delve into whatever stats you want to delve into. They're absolutely a contender at this point in the season. And that's why those guys were having that conversation. But there's a big jump from you're a contender to you're going to beat LeBron's team in a playoff series. That's an enormous jump. There's no debate about being a contender. Most guys can't beat LeBron in a playoff series. You can be the Spurs, and you can have multiple guys with championship experience. You can have Kawhi, an elite talent, uh, on his way up. And you split two playoff series with LeBron's teams. It's really hard to beat LeBron's teams in the playoffs. It can be done, but you have to be very good and at the top of your game to do it. And you got to be well, both of those things. So to say the Jazz are a contender, pff, we're way past that. Absolutely, they're a contender. I would disagree with you. I think there's plenty of folks, including Shaq, who don't think they are a contender. So I would say I don't know that that's true. Then there are no contenders. If you're going to dismiss uh, the Jazz, you got to dismiss a no, well, lot I mean, of teams. What what they'll say is uh, check back in March. It's only, you know, we're if this is a regular season, are we even into December yet? And so nobody's really talking about who's a contender in December. Now we're we're pushing it back calendar-wise more because the league started later, obviously. So I think I think there's a bunch of folks on the Jazz who say, let's wait and see. Yeah, you're playing well right now, but you're on a hot streak. Let's see how it goes after 30, 40, 50 games. There's still plenty of games. Corona will, or Corona, uh, I can go Corona. Corona willing, I was meant to say COVID willing, that there's plenty of games to go. 
and you know you really can't complain injury wise because everybody has them, but virus wise throws a huge wrench into it. Uh, and let's see. So I don't I don't think there's yeah you're a contender now, but I think there's a fair amount of folks who don't believe that they're legitimate contender. They're a contender now. But who cares? It's like making big three free throws in January isn't nearly the same as making big three free throws in May and June. All right, DJ PK, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt. He joins us from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Back again, Andrew. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? We are doing well. How are you? Doing good. Doing great. All right, you're spreading the word. Breakthrough treatment. No surgery. Check. No injections. Check. No pill. Check. Yes. And there are options beyond those three. (laughs) Yes. Those are great things. When you're talking about erectile dysfunction, you'd be shocked how many guys are using injections. They typically go to injections because the pills eventually fail. So you use pills for 10 years, your body builds up a tolerance, you go to the injections, and that has some significant side effects. I won't get into the gory of that. Acoustic wave therapy, though, FDA-registered backed by now Cambridge University, showing it regrows blood vessels. Just imagine what life in the bedroom could be like with 40 or 50% more blood flow in this part of the body. That's a game changer for most, whether they want to improve the frequency with their significant other or reverse erectile dysfunction completely. This treatment can do it. Uh, We've treated thousands of guys. We use the most advanced technology and we can do it pretty quickly, typically with just a few treatments over a couple weeks' time. So you've got the special deal. People always want to hear about the special deal. Yes. The worst thing you can do if you're struggling with ED is nothing at all. It's kind of like when your eyes get worse. They mm. continue to get worse, and they don't all of a sudden just correct themselves. So call us now. The first step to reversing erectile dysfunction is to be analyzed by our doctor, He'll do an assessment. He may find something, by the way, in your background that uh, doesn't require that you need our treatments. That happens all the time. It's totally free to set that up. Plus, to those that call now, we're going to throw in a little special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom, all no charge. All right. Call now, uh, 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. That number again. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call Andrew at the Wasatch Medical Clinic. 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you, guys.